this final episode chatting to Duncan Painter, CEO of Essential PLC. We discuss how the business has successfully completed 15 acquisitions, and I ask what he thinks is key to an effective M&A strategy. Look, firstly, what I would say, having done a high proportion of M&A in my career, is that it is a very dangerous sport. And it's a very dangerous sport that can very, very quickly go wrong if you're not careful. What I would say is that if you're buying businesses, you, you definitely do not want to abdicate or you want very, very empowered people in making those choices. You need to be willing to say no right up to the last night, no matter how much you've spent on it, no matter how much you've committed to it. And we, by the way, and it's not something we would you know, want to do too often, but we have pulled out of a couple of deals where we'd spend six to nine months on them on the last night. And that we don't see as a failure. You know, we see that as making the right choices. Even when you do really comprehensive due diligence and you get in amongst the business and you get in amongst the customers, for instance, you know, one one example I'll give you that I know, you know, most advisors are surprised by. But when if we get commercial due diligence or any form of due diligence that involves customer interviews, you know, I don't want summaries. I want the full verbatims of the customer interviews. And then I will often go out separately and meet customers um, directly myself. Um, because again, that is the number one for me of, of the best source of information about a company that you're thinking of acquiring is talk to the people who use it day in, day out. For us, we've been quite deliberate about the acquisitions we've been making. They've been, you know, we've made a number, but we've made a number to build out a capability very quickly in a segment um, we used to call it our jigsaw model, but effectively we had a literally a jigsaw diagram that would have every capability that we felt the system had to have to make customers work really effectively. Um, and we would we would systematically look at, you know, who were the organizations we feel felt really fitted the jigsaw piece the best. And then the other factor we've put on our strategy for MA, Fiona, is um you know, we we have conditioned that with the ability to easily integrate that technology into our system. So if the company that we look to acquire was a brilliant company, but had effectively developed and built their technology in a totally different sort of architecture or approach or, or, or kind of capability set to what we'd used, we wouldn't acquire them. And in terms of uh, where you've seen it, go wrong at other companies do you think the biggest hindrance is that that defining the strategy in your own jigsaw up front hasn't happened or do you think it's that leadership teams go far so far down the track of thinking it's going to happen it's then too hard to withdraw look there, there's probably lots of factors why it doesn't work and as i've indicated you know not all of ours have been fabulous successes right you know they've you know certainly we've had our fair share of where it's not quite been what we thought and so what i would say is it doesn't matter how much due diligence you do of a company you never quite know what you've bought till the day after when you've bought it and so you've got to be sort of as open minded in the first 90 days about what the plan is as you were going in I think the other thing is that uh, having the true north around customer feedback and, and end customer feedback of those companies has to be your true north. And the second that it, you're not hearing, you know, quite what you expect, you know, I, and I've heard this said many times, which is, oh, that's OK, because we can fix that. The second you start saying those words is probably a reason not to buy that business. Right. Because very rarely can you fix it. 
you know, I had a colleague in, in uh, when I was at Experian came out with this absolutely fantastic comment, which was, uh, you know, we've really, really wanted to buy this business, but we've now figured out we really would be tethering a, a, a donkey to our racehorse. And it's very, very hard when you're at the end of an exercise to admit that. But but my feedback to anyone is if you really do think it and you'll have doubts. That's the other thing, of course, Fiona, is it's you'll have doubts anyway. So it's not like you won't have doubts. If you don't have doubts about a deal, you there's probably something slightly wrong anyway. It's just trying to gauge just, you know, you know, are those doubts getting to a point now where you just know no is probably the right answer. Don't get M&A fever. <laughs> Well, look, I think it's, look, I think the other thing, you know, fortunately, I can say to most of this audience is the other thing I always would say to people is, look, you know, really listen to what they're telling you because they are, you know, deal professionals. And that's the other thing that I learned very early on. It was one of the great lessons that Sean and people taught me, which is, you know, have people that you fundamentally trust to work on these things for you. And how do you know that you trust them? well because you do right and that's you know and the only way you get that is to do more with them regularly so you know if i look at every single major MA transaction i've done in the last 25 years uh you know edmund reed at travis smith has been my lawyer on every one of them you know edmund happens to now be the managing partner of that firm but that's nothing to do with my work but in terms of look we had to pick a really good individual there but what we got to was a consistency and a trust where when flags were coming up from Edmund, you know, you listen to them, right? You don't think, oh, is it just, you know, this advisor trying to earn their fee and demonstrate their value or whatever the the arguments are. So picking a group of professional advisors, and in the case of um, when ECI is invested in you, listening to the investment directors, you know, is what I did. I'd really encourage every leader to do. And I'll say, you know, my final parting gift on that is not always when you're buying. Also, it's when you're selling. If I'd had my way, I would have sold Clarity Blue the year before to an offer that we had. Sean and team and Ken really advised me not to do it. And um, 18 months later, we sold it for four times the price. That is a great passing gift. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, you know, in that case, it was the best, you know, listening to the, you know, in their their case, the professionals say, no, 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 we can do much better than this. And having the confidence that we could do much better, because there's a prime example of how because we were all fully aligned and I trusted the people involved in our business, we got a phenomenal outcome, as you said at the start of the exercise. And that lesson taught me uh, more about how, you know, how to de-risk M&A than anything else, you know, I've ever done. In that case, to me, the only set of advisors that I wanted to listen to were the people who had real skin in the game, which was, you know, Andy as the chairman and Sean as the investment director. And those, so ECI, because they were a significant holder with us um, and had real skin in the game, and Andy, who, you know, obviously had equity, but had proved um, to have extremely good, consistent advice. And I think at that time, no matter what everyone else around you is saying, that's where you've just got to trust in those individuals, go in a lock room, figure out the best answer, you know, between th- that group of stakeholders. Uh, so other than um, how great ECI are and listen to your private equity investors, do you have any other last advice for CEOs or entrepreneurs when it comes to building successful businesses? 
yeah, I, I, I think my biggest piece of advice that I've tried to stick to in every case is never create a business to sell it. Create a great business. Have the mindset, and clearly at Sky, you know, this mindset was completely true, which is, you know, have the mindset of this is my business, it's family owned, and we're going to own this business forever. Now, what are the right decisions to make? Uh, Sky had a phenomenal tagline that was as much about how we worked internally as it was with the customers, which was believing better. And it was such a simple three word thing that just said every day, turn up and believe in better. You know, you can make this company, no matter what job you're in, a better company by the end of the day than when it started by doing something that is investing in making it better. And that would be my advice to If you do that and you do it consistently for a number of years, of course, if you're in the right market, right, you know, all the other factors have to line up, then I suspect you're going to consistently get good results. Duncan, thank you so much. Um, always a pleasure to catch up with an ECI alumni um, and loads of great advice around uh, customers at the heart of the strategy, how their feedback ties into M&A um, and how, how to build more successful businesses. Cheers, Fiona. Bye-bye.